0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I remember we all received in school a little China cup and saucer with the royal crest on the cup and a little Union Jack flag. So it wasn't the best thing to give a five-year-old a China cup because it never made it home in one piece. But I I remember that uh, so clearly. We all in our classroom, all sitting in our little rows of desks. We uh, we received uh, the notification from the school, from the headmaster, and from the teachers about uh, the new monarch. And 70-plus uh, years later, here we are, and uh, talking about Queen Elizabeth and the funeral on Monday, and joining me to start the program is my colleague at Chorus Radio, Ben O'Hara. Uh, ben is in London. He's, of course, the host of A Little More Conversation on Chorus Radio Nationally. And it was the Global News Bureau Chief in London. Van, thank you uh, so much for joining us. It's evening time in London. What is the mood in London tonight?
1: It's interesting, you know, when I first, um, when I got here, I thought it would be somber. And and it is somber to some point. But in the last week, I mean, I think there was tremendous shock at her passing. It was sudden, despite the fact that she was 96. Um, but what I've noticed here is that a lot of people have been talking about, you know, they've it, been talking about her in a way that reminds one more of celebrating one's life, celebrating one's reign. Uh, people are not in a good mood, but people are in a very generous mood. It's been a very, despite the sheer masses of people that are here and the amount of crowd crowd control that is going on, the long lines to see her lying in state. There's this overall sense of kindness in the air, and and that's you know that's not always the way it is in London, um, but I think her passing is, has touched a lot of people in different ways. Uh, you know, as you spoke of as being a five-year-old in, in here at the time, I mean, her legacy is that her she's woven herself into a lot of family histories in this country and in other countries. And what people the most wanted to talk about, I waited in that queue for five hours the other night, people want to share their memories of her. And a lot of people have come to pay their respects, not just to pay their respects to her and the queen and the monarchy, but also... As a, as a representative of, of something about their own families in many ways she was a tie for a lot of families here to a different era There, you know a grandmother who loved the queen a mom who had been you know at the coronation for instance and a lot of the stories I've been hearing are those that because she was here and she was so present for so long she's ended up being you know woven into these family histories as well so the mood has been it, it is somber certainly people leaving you know Westminster Hall where she's lying in state have been very emotional about just the silence and, and the awesomeness of it all, the, the magnitude of it all. But elsewhere, people are really wanting just to share stories about what she meant, um, you know, and, and and how they've been tied into their own family histories and their own senses of loss and so on. So the mood is somber, but in the same way, it, it's more of a celebration of her life uh, this week, i found.
0: You know, it's interesting uh, you say that. My uh, my cousin, Diane, uh, her, her dad, my uncle, was a member of the Grenadier Guards. And uh, after the coronation, they had the opportunity to uh, mingle somewhat, and the queen came out. And my cousin was just uh, four or five years of age at the time. And she said the queen was wearing one of the hats that uh, my little, my cousin, a little girl at the time, really liked. And there were grapes around the brim of the hat. And she asked the queen, May I have one of those grapes? And the queen went over and tousled her hair and said, "They're not real, my dear." <laughs> and my cousin Diane said, "To this day, that is one of her strongest memories." It's. it's she was an amazing, amazing woman. She touched so many people.
1: She did, and, and and there was a there was a way about her. Some of the stories that I've heard people tell me over over this week. Um, The Governor General, the former Governor General, David Johnston is here, and he famously got into trouble back in 2017 when he lightly touched her elbow to try to help her down a flight of red carpeted stairs. You you must remember that. Yes. I was asking him about that today, and he said that the next day, or the day after, he got a letter from the Queen's private secretary saying, I'm happy to know that chivalry isn't dead, or something to that effect. That's That's the kind of person she was. You know, she would reach out knowing that he was in trouble. That he would, he would, reach, she would reach out or have someone reach out to him and say it's okay, uh, you know. Or the story that we heard from Carolyn, Carolyn uh, Clark, uh, Doctor Catherine Clark, uh, this week about her being, at, you know, why aren't you in school? I can't leave till you leave. I'm bored, and she said, well, let's leave together. You know, there was there are so many of those stories, and the, the military connection, as you just mentioned, has been. I can't tell you how many former military members I've met in that line waiting to pay tribute. Um, you know, I, there must have been. I wouldn't say. A huge number, but 10, 15 percent of it must have been, you know, veterans, uh, UK military veterans who were waiting in that line to pay tribute. And they were there out of duty. This wasn't just about personal. This was duty. And it was amazing to hear that her connection to the military was so profound here and at home, too, obviously. Um, that really stood out to me as well this week. And, you know, back to you know, the story of your cousin would attest to
0: yeah. Uh, ben, how would the sense of loss over no longer having Queen Elizabeth as head of state compare with the sense of anticipation for the reign of King Charles?
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's been talked about somewhat. I mean, I think everyone's dealt with that conversation. What kind of king will Charles be? We've already seen this week, I mean, he and his son, Prince William of the new Prince of Wales, were out today greeting people in that long line. Uh, we saw, you know, the, we saw William and Kate, as well as um, Meghan and Harry, out greeting people in uh, in Windsor earlier this week. And you get the feeling that there is going to be a change going forward with the monarchy, the way they present themselves to the public. It will be a more accessible, smaller and more accessible group. They will greet, meet and greet people. Um, William spoke of, compared walking behind his grandmother's coffin this week to walking behind his mother's coffin 25 years ago this month, see someone in the crowd and talked about the difficulty of it. So you get the sense that this will not be um, the same tone, for instance. And there's obviously no criticism of the Queen. She was from a different time. Um, But, you know, I think it's understood that Charles will not be able to fill those shoes. Uh, He can't hope to. So he'll have to do it differently. And I think we're seeing that already. As for what happens afterwards, I mean, he faces some serious problems. Obviously, the issue of Andrew. uh, Prince Andrew, there's Harry's memoir coming out this year. The country itself is politically divided. You know, the economy is not doing great. Uh, You know, it's going to be a tough winter. There are lots of challenges ahead. But for the time being, I think everyone's allowing him time to mourn and also allowing him time to put his own stamp on this. And so far, the reception seems to be pretty positive.
0: So one more question for you. Uh, these are different times we live in. You just pointed out the political reality, the economic reality that the UK is facing, that we're all facing to a greater or a lesser degree. But there's also the talk about the level of security that exists uh, in London over the next uh, well, now and over the next number of days. Yeah. Is there a sense of, of security or are they doing a great job of just hiding it all?
1: Well, you know, I I was here for the Olympics. I was here for the Diamond Jubilee. And one of the things that always struck me is that if you stop to look for it, you'll see it everywhere. There is security everywhere. If you don't stop to look for it, you won't notice it, at least not in the way you might think. What has changed in the last few days is that they've really started to lock down the area around Buckingham Palace and Westminster. It's still open to move around, but it's restricted. And you could tell they could close it off very quickly. So I gather what they're going to do is create sort of a ring of steel around the the area where where Westminster Abbey is, where the palace is, where everything is taking place over the next few days, especially on Monday. And you will not be able to get into that area other than in a very controlled manner. There'll be very little vehicle or traffic, none really. Um, So, you know, they will lock this area down. The rest of London, by the way, as you well know, London's a massive city. If you go two kilometers north of Buckingham Palace, it's life is normal. For the most part. But this area down around Westminster, around Buckingham Palace, Green Park, that's going to be completely shut down. And behind the scenes, I talked to a security expert yesterday. Uh, They were talking about, you know, you see 10 percent, it's like the iceberg, right? You see 10 percent, 90 percent going on behind the scenes. Obviously, they're exchanging information and threat assessments with security agencies around the world, including CSIS and the CIA, Um, you know, they're they're assessing threats in the country. Um, You know, there's cameras all over London, they're looking for things that are out of place. But he pointed out something interesting in that they don't have much time to prepare for 100 state visits all at once at a huge royal event, but nor does anyone else. So they feel if there's any bad actors out there, they don't have time to plan either, and that's to their advantage.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.